Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm Laura Crawford. Guess who we are? We're your hosts. Holy shit. Did you I'm guess? I'm a host. You're a host. Hosting is the thing we do. The most. Sure. Well, that rhymes. <laughs> hey, that hey. was my musical interlude. That was pretty good. How have you been, Laura? Really lonely. Is that an answer? <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm good. No, I'm great. 2020 is going really going ahead for me in uh, many ways in life. Living a healthier, better life that on paper that I can tell my parents about. Good. Oh, well, yeah. that's good. Is that's that what I mean? You know, is that why? Is that why you don't have cigarettes? You're trying to be healthier <laughs> to an extent. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like you could be like having a lot of things popping off in your life, but you wouldn't want to talk to your parents about. It. You'd be like, I'm getting railed all the time. I'm like and doing rails all the time, or you right. know, you know, you'd be all debauched or whatever. And a whatnot. good parent would just guess. Yeah, not mine. But uh, no, no, I mean, professional success, taking my health into my own two paws, doing good things. Great. How are you? I am fine. <laughs> I'm very tired. Yeah, We're recording man. this late at night. Come yeah, on. Anyway. We're off to Africa. Africa, mother Africa. So this documentary that we're talking about this week, mm -hmm. we're, for one, I'm glad to be back to talking about something that I believe is probably true mm -hmm. in some ways. That's yes. that's fun. After we did the Kobe Bryant thing, yeah. me and Fizza did an episode about the Wuhan coronavirus conspiracies, which right. are all pretty silly also. But now we're talking about a documentary called Cold Case Hammerschold. 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 I feel like every many of the people talking this movie are either very old or uh, not native speakers of the language of Swedish. So uh, everyone is just basically like, how much? How much? Yeah. Well, it covers a how much old? It covers a thing that happened in 1961. Right. So the people involved are going to be. We're lucky any of these motherfuckers are alive. They do say in it the the main fella. He says uh, it is a conspiracy theory for senior citizens. Yeah, is how it is described. Does that get you hot, conspiracy theorists? Ooh, I love it when you appeal to the elderly. Well, the yeah, this, this is a wild one though. In it, this isn't your Gen Z flat earthers with your fidget spinners. This is for the old people. Yeah, but it is a weird one. It's a I fucking believe it. Yes. Like there's at least one aspect of it that I definitely believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of believe all of it. I just don't know how effective all of it 
was. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And it is nice. In opposition to the Kobe Bryant thing, people making this are not doing it to get more Instagram followers. Right. This right? Uh, There are people that have been... They're doing it for credible reasons. ...working on this theory for decades, mm-hmm. which... That always kind of does it for me when there's a con- like when yeah. there's that aspect where there's like one guy who's just like, no, 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 fuck you. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. That I don't know. Like, I like that lone juror. I like that. mentality where that one person who's like, this motherfucker is not guilty and okay. I am not going to convict them. Yeah, like, that's totally that's man. that's an attitude I can get behind. You know what I like about it from the point of view of a of a thing you do with your free time, you know, like I, well, you and I both have pursued stand-up comedy. Yes. Uh, me, I pursued stand-up for like 10 years and I, you know, I feel the feeling for my family is like, you know, why are you doing this? You're getting nowhere. What are they paying you? What are you doing for this? And you know, they're coming down on me at least like compared to me, that guy, imagine that guy talking to people. So what are you doing? You're investigating this. Yeah. Is anyone else looking into it? No. Have they done anything with what you're doing? No. And it's like he, they, these people must get that shit so much more. So I'm like, Oh man, I'm doing amazing compared to them. Yeah. Totally. Talk about something that's even less rewarding than open my comedy, which would be like <laughs> independently investigating cold cases that no one has any interest in. Yeah. Well, I think people have interest in this. Some people, yes, certainly. I mean, now, we're, we should. In more recent years, yes, the cold case uh, yeah, we should, trend is upon us. We should fill people in, at least on that part. The, yeah. the theory centers around the death of a guy named Dag Hammarskjöld who was the secretary general of the UN from, oh, I put it in the notes. And he's he's at the time where the UN is a baby UN. Yeah. Still it defining was, its role in the world on, on the global stage and what it's, uh, what kind of action it would be able to take, et cetera. Yeah. 1953 is when Dag Hammarskjöld takes over as secretary general of the UN. And he died in 1961. Mm-hmm. And that's what this documentary is based around, is the death of Dag Hammarskjöld and the uh, the contention that maybe he was murdered as opposed to having died by natural plane crash causes. Yes, so we are beginning this. It's very sort of vague as to who who we're looking at because it is not really apparent if there's the narrator, is he an actor? Is he an investigator? You kind of don't know. Is he a host? Right. Like, that's very sort of mysterious. And then the, the, it's beautiful. Cinematography is amazing. They're clearly in Africa somewhere. Man's wearing all white. Very striking. Right. It's a weird documentary in the way it's presented, for sure. It's very mysterious. Yeah. And there's basically, the it's the filmmaker, we eventually find out, mm-hmm. who is... The first shot is him basically dictating the the scenes from this documentary to a secretary in the room who's on a, an old-timey typewriter. Two. Two women. Yeah, two different women. And two different women. So, yeah, it gets a bit even more confused than that. Um, but I think this is a good documentary technique. There's a lot of many uh, documentaries like Louis Theroux's My Scientology film, you know, where he casts actors to play David Miscavige. 
and they sort right. of recreate scenes. So I think filmmakers are, it's a very interesting take on the form of documentary. Now people are obviously experimenting a lot more with how yeah. to tell a, a narrative story or how to begin, you know, to introduce people to an investigation of some kind. Yeah. And, it, and this is a cool one. It's cool as shit. Yeah. And it, it carries on throughout the whole movie and the guy he's, he's not annoying, which is a pitfall. The filmmaker, yes, is not annoying. A lot of documentary filmmakers, like for a documentary to work, if the filmmaker is not likable, mm-hmm. they cannot be in the documentary. Yes. And sometimes an unlikable filmmaker will make their way into their own documentary. True. And it's a fucking nightmare. But this guy seems cool. He's more uh, Morgan, Morgan Spurlock than uh, Michael Moore. Right. Right. And what's his name? Why didn't I put these like... Imp- Mags. Ma- Mads. It's Mads. 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 Sorry. But what's his last name? Uh, I'm going to find it. I'm sorry. Like, why didn't I put shit like this at the beginning? I don't know. You're tired. It's like Mads... Borgdahl. No. Gor- no, Goran Borgdahl. Mads Brueger. No. Sorry. Mads I'm Brugger. reading... I am in stone. I apologize. Mads Brueger, which... Who's the fucking dude in He's a a- Die Hard? Is the villain in Die Hard something Brueger? Uh, Hans Gruber. Gruber? Isn't I think so. Gruber? Yeah, the something like that. Okay, so Mads Brueger, not the villain not in the Die Hard. Not the same as Gruber. Brueger, not the same as Gruber. Not a, a vice reporter. No, he's. I looked him up. He's a Danish TV personality He's trendy and host. looking. He looks like a guy from Vice, but he doesn't sound like a vice reporter. He looks like... The most important thing. He looks like if... The two people in the Eurythmics formed into one person. Yeah. And like Annie Lennox's hair went down to that dude's chin instead. He looked like a Moby went to prison. <laughs> yeah. Prison Moby. <laughs> prison Moby. Um, from uh, Denmark. But he seems to have a, a fun no. personality. Good filmmaking. Great voice. Pretty good presence on screen, likable yeah. screen presence. So we, I give it to him. I'm already like, all right, what's this motherfucker up to? Why does he give a fuck about Dog Hammarskjöld? Yeah, and it, it right away they get into the circumstances surrounding Dog Hammarskjöld, and basically what happens is he takes over uh, as Secretary General of the UN in 1953. And this is around the time when all of the the old colonial powers, like especially England, were just kind of losing control of the their colonies. Right. I think Kenya got uh, liberated in forties or fifties. Jamaica around that time. Yeah, they they were all. I mean, lot, Britain was losing a lot of the big. They, they still had Rhodesia. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, um, they they still had some, but yeah, no, definitely they. No. It's it's around that time. And he takes over as Secretary General of the UN and immediately decides that look, we're gonna start being good to Africa. You're not you're not gonna go in and just fucking raid Africa of all its resources for your own national interest. Right. And those old colonial powers were like, Yeah, we are. Watch us. Exactly. Yeah. To say that we're not going to be major players in Africa or control who gets to what kind of position is just not. That's not the thing, buddy. Not the thing. Right. Hammarskjöld also, funny, funny enough, he was awarded a, a posthumous Nobel Peace Prize. That makes sense. And he was the youngest ever UN Secretary General at 47 at that time. 
So Hammarskjöld is hanging out in Africa because the Congo is on the news every night. These world leaders are not happy. The U.S. is not happy. Britain is not happy. They are not happy with how things are going in uh, the Congo. Right. They are ripshit, and they're ripshit at uh, Hammarskjöld. Because there's some military action and UN UN uh, soldiers got killed. Well, what what's happening in at the time is there is this area that had basically broken away from the Congo. Yes, called Katanga and Katanga or Katanga. I think it was Katanga and the Congo are basically at war and. Dog Hammarskjöld, to end this war, basically sends UN troops in, basically to fight against the Katanga separatists. What he may or may not have known is that a Belgian oil company basically installed that government in Katanga for the sole purpose of them separating from the Congo, so then that oil company could go in and take the oil in that area Yikes. and he sent dog Hammarskjöld sends in UN troops to try and break up that conflict and he fucking loses like you said this is baby UN so he sends him in and we fucking lose and that's what he's flying to Zambia yeah. That's where he was flying to when he crashed. Right. So Hammarskjöld had made four separate trips to Congo but everyone, yeah, even the Soviet Union was pissed with how he was doing in the Congo. So they denounced his decision to send the UN emergency force in to keep the peace. They demanded his resignation and the replacement of the Office of Secretary General by a three-man directorate with a built-in veto. And uh, so basically they were like, he, his actions were so disappointing to everyone that they wanted to do away with his whole job. That's how much he was fucking up in these people's opinions. And so basically the Soviets considered that his efforts at decolonization had not been sufficient. UN, I mean, sorry, the UK and the US were pissed because there was too much decolonization. Right. So he was making everyone angry. Yes. And a Belgian oil company. (laughs) That all comes to a head when he makes this flight. He's on his way to try and negotiate peace. Yes. In this conflict. And it doesn't go well. His plane crashes and uh, he dies. Fucking died, Laura. Yep. So he died all but one of the 16 passengers. And that other one died a few days later from injuries. And there was no real line of succession within the succession within the UN as to who would be uh, take over his role in the Security Council had to vote on somebody, I guess. So it was just so everyone in the international community was like, oh, my God, who would have thought this would have ever happened? Right. And he was uh, eight miles from the airport. The crash was eight miles from the airport. And I know I have it in the notes later, but one of the weird details about this is that it took them 15 hours to find the crash site, even though it was eight miles from the airport and there was a massive fire in the jungle. I think you'd be able to spot that. So one of the one of the first people we meet besides the filmmaker in this is Joran Bjorkdal. Yeah, so it's Mads and Mads Brugge. Mads Brugge. Mads Brugge is in a cab uh, with this old man. And you're like, who the fuck is this old man? Turns Joran. out it's Joran Borgdal or mm-hmm. Bjorkdal. And he has pictures of the crash site. Not because he's a pervert or whatever. 
Right. Yeah. He doesn't jerk off to him. <laughs> Why are you being that way? And basically his father was a diplomat who worked for the UN and his father at one point gives him this metal plate and says, this is from Dog Hammarskjöld's plane. Keep it. Maybe, maybe take it. Just take it with you. Carry it with you throughout your entire life. Make it the basis of the next few decades of your life. And it looks like it's got bullet holes in it. Yeah. And that becomes way more important It's later. so weird they seem reticent to say bullet holes. Yeah. He's like, they have these weird holes in it. And I'm like... Well, you know what? I My thought what do you fucking imagine on they're from? that was if you were shot down by rounds fired from a plane... Those are going to be big rounds. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think a plane's like... The guns on a plane? Got two twenty twos strapped <laughs> to its wings. It so I did. The I bullet no holes did seem small, but I don't... I don't I'm I no know, ballistics I'm, I'm expert. No, yeah, I'm no... Yeah, you know, uh, despite my uh, affin- affinity for cap guns, you know, I don't really know that much about that. But I thought it was bizarre they seem reticent to say bullet holes immediately when I would have immediately... Any kind of holes in metal like that, I just think, oh, it looks like it was shot up by guns, you know? Yeah. I would say bullet holes immediately. Anywho, they track down... This sounds racist, but it's important. They tracked down the black witnesses from that Right, from that because night. as you can imagine, in 1961... Authorities did not take the word of the black witnesses who all saw this crash happen. Mm -hmm. If they wrote them down at all, they did not take it seriously. Yes. So Yoron actually tracks down all of the witnesses to this because here's the thing. Most of them just still live in the area. Mm -hmm. And everyone reports that right before the crash, all the lights went out at the airport yes that is that is definitely an odd fact that everyone and no one is no one that they're talking to is unsure of what they're remembering or seems to have any sort of confusion about what they're talking no about. because it's a fucking plane crash it's i've a, never seen it's a, plane. a plane, plane crash have you seen a plane crash in person i have not no i yeah. neither it's very unusual yeah i feel like i would We've definitely had remember strange experiences in life both of us combined millions of weirdo ones and but no not that yeah they it's memorable they all report uh, that the lights went out. They all report seeing a huge fire, except one person who is the air traffic controller who was on duty that night. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, he destroyed his notes from that day, the following day, and then had to rewrite them. And then they included no mention of a fire or a crash. Yeah. So it's at that point, it's his word against everyone in the vicinity who all saw those lights go out and saw that crash. Mm -hmm. And they also reported hearing something else strange. They reported hearing the sound of not only another plane, but that other plane was shooting at the plane that ended up crashing. Yeah. Crazy. Weird how things sound like things like a plane shooting another plane, which I've never heard, yeah. but I imagine would be very distinct uh, in terms of what uh, we know for external facts in this situation. A 1962 Rhodesian inquiry concluded that the pilot was an error and to blame. Well, later, UN investigation could not determine the cause of the crash. Right. And uh, CIA blamed the KGB like yeah. they do, like they love to do. Yeah, or the, loved to do. The CIA comes up a lot in yes. this. Yeah, a whole lot. The CIA and British intelligence. Yes. Which, if we're talking people, and Belgians. Yeah, if we're talking people who would be mad about 
the colonial powers losing their power. Yeah. There you go. It's funny. It's like high powered U.S. intelligence, people in government, the British, Belgian. You think we were talking about child rape. Exactly. I know, but it's Africa. Crazy. Go, s- go start a child porn ring. Like I know. Real <laughs> that Illuminati. They were, that they were trafficking kids and drinking their blood. And, but no, no. So this is horrible as well. And it actually happens for sure for definites. So yeah, the day after the crash, former U.S. President Harry Truman commented that Hammerschild was on the point of getting something done when they killed him. Notice that I said when they killed him. Yeah. Subtle, Harry. Very Subtle. 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 Yeah, once once Harry Truman had nuclear. You hear that? <laughs> once he had nuclear weapons, he swung his dick around. Shit, dude. He was like, "I'll say whatever the fuck I want, pal." Uh, the most interesting interview in this mm-hmm. documentary, I would argue, is Charles Southall. I like this. Who was a former NSA agent, and he claims that at one point he gets a phone call, and someone's like. You got to come to the office. This is going to be cool. And he gets to the office and they play him a recording of what he said everyone in the the room was able to identify as this Belgian mercenary pilot that they all knew as the Lone Ranger. Write that name down, everyone listening to this. Mm-hmm. Shooting down a plane somewhere in Africa. And the person who called him in when he plays the recording goes, this is history and it's only seven minutes old. And what he came to find out about that recording was it was a recording of someone shooting down Dog Hammarskjöld's plane, which is pretty crazy. That is a it's a wild allegation. And I would argue that in this documentary, they do a decent job of kind of confirming that that probably happened yes it is a brazen crime to think that someone would middle of the day just fly by another plane and shoot at it killing 16 people on board right when full of you have witnessed eight miles from an airport yeah but the middle of nowhere necessarily but it's in africa it is i'm saying it's remote but it's not like where it's like you know we're hundreds of miles from an airport or something where like no one lives around here no witnesses yeah so witnesses someone survived for a couple of days shot down in broad daylight brazen brazen bonus brass these people bonus brass um so yes definitely that lone ranger thing comes up this got me the chills the playing card the playing card one of the crazy things about the the pictures of dog hammerschild's body there are no pictures of his body as it appeared when he was found there are only pictures of his body after it had been moved to a stretcher which That's weird. Yes. And then all the bodies around him are like charred. They are completely burned. And he is not. You can make out his face. You can still see his shirt is still mostly white. It's true. But he's also got an ace of spades like tucked into the collar of his shirt. My eyes just bulged out of my head when I saw that. I was like, I cannot fucking believe it. This is so st- 
stage. It's like something yeah. a serial killer would do. It's a mafia fucking hit. It's just, this is one of, one of the things we talk about. You know, like for this documentary or this conspiracy theory, you don't really have to reach. I mean, it's right at your little fingertips. I mean, it's, these are not like, oh, well, maybe the body was in this position, which could have been this. It's like the body was propped up with a fucking playing card in his collar. Right. And everyone else was... And there's a photo of it. ...burned to the point of not being recognizable. Uh Uh-huh. That does not... And the fact... This is the point in the documentary where they bring up that it took 15 hours to locate the crash site. The crash site of the fucking Secretary General of the UN, it took 15 hours to get eight miles from the airport where there is a huge fire. Like... The air traffic controller said he didn't see a fire. All the bodies are burned to a crisp at this crash site. How would you not? And again, we're in Africa. Like in this, it's 1960s Africa. Yeah. So there weren't a lot of obstructions. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of obstructions between that line of sight. There's not a lot of gigantic fires going on. No. Uh, it seemed that it was, uh, it's just so obvious. It's just, you would need to, in order to not see this, you would be need to have been threatened not to, or been paid off not to. Right. It needs to be in someone's best interest for you to look at this case and not see that it's a, it's a manufactured death. It's a murder. It's an assassination. Yeah. And that, that air traffic controller destroying his notes the next day, that yes. that's pretty fucking damning. Yes. And he's on his way to negotiate a ceasefire. Right. Very specific purpose in mind. Yeah. A ceasefire that the world's superpowers did not want. Mm -hmm. It's a good documentary. Stirring. Yeah. At one point, the UN reopens the case after hearing Charles Southall's comments. Mm -hmm. And they actually reach out to the NSA. And they're like, hey, we need uh, any recordings you got from this night in 1961. And the NSA and the United States government write back and say the information you requested is classified, which means, yes, what you're asking for exists, but we cannot give it to you for national security reasons. And they're asking for that recording of this Belgian mercenary pilot shooting down Dog Hammarskjöld's plane. And we, the United States, were like, sorry, classified, can't do it. What gets me at the end of the day with the U.S. and the issue of security is like it's really twisted and sick because you can logically say it is in the U.S.'s security interest to look like we are good and do no bad. Right. I understand that. I'm like, logically, yes, I understand why that makes sense, even though it's divorced from reality and fucked up and not something we should aspire to continue yeah. But it's like, oh, you can say fucking anything is for your security. Like, so then you, no one will ever be able to request any information that would ever imply that the U.S. has ever made a mistake in anything. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to feel like part of the reason the U.N. exists is because of us. Like, the world wanted a little bit of protection from us also. Mm-hmm. And we were attempting to do the job even though even though we were integral in launching it. Yeah, that doesn't mean the president at the time wasn't like, we're getting out of control. Yeah, I got to help put something in place before I'm out of office. Safety on this pistol, baby. Yeah, 
Okay. So no one wants to give up the truth when it comes to this. No one officially wants to talk about anything. It seems like everything is, um, you know, just hinting at data beforehand. Right. And that's when we get to the craziest aspect of this story. It's called the South African Institute for Maritime Research. Saimar. Did you work for Saimar? Saimar. Did you work for Saimar? This was, I found this Saimar. fucking fascinating. Yes. Uh, when, back when the apartheid regime in South Africa, like uh, shortly after they lost power, there was this thing called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Which I've heard it before, you know, when you're studying South African history, to talk about it with, yeah. you know, after, yeah, with them. And it was meant to uh, investigate and discuss the crimes of the apartheid regime. And as it was closing down in 1998, they, they're at this press conference and Desmond Tutu, who is a really well-respected leader on the world stage, sure. he's at this press conference and he mentions finding documents tying the South African Institute for Maritime Research to the sabotage of the Dog Hammarskjöld plane. And British intelligence and CIA are also mentioned in the documents. We claimed that it was just Cold War era misinformation, but it mentions this guy named Keith Maxwell, who is the Commodore. The supervillain of the piece. Yeah, and... For most of this documentary, I could not tell if this guy was just a crazy person or if he was an evil person. I went with evil immediately. I was like, damn, this motherfucker is evil. Like, just I landed up. on evil eventually. Evil. But at first, I've, I feel like they do a pretty good job making it not real clear as to whether he's telling the truth about what he's saying. Yeah. And we'll, we'll just talk about keith maxwell he's the commodore of the am i gonna have to say this let's just call it simar everyone get it in your head now south african institute for maritime research which sounds like they research dolphins not true right they do not no one guy claims that he was running human experiments on black women keith maxwell was his ex-wife says he liked to run mental experiments on people without their knowledge and that he set up fake clinics in black neighborhoods to conduct these experiments. And it seems like that was true. And give false injections and bullshit. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah, he was, this was, you know, apartheid air. Well, were these in South Africa? Yes. Those. The clinics? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what they're saying in the townships. So, yeah, he, he set up these clinics. He told some people at these clinics that he was a mercenary who worked in the Congo. Huh, funny. Weird. Weird. That's not something you hear every day. Yeah. So the documents that they produce at this Truth and Recon Reconciliation press conference talk about something called Operation Celeste, or as the filmmaker says it, Operation Celesta, which mm -hmm. I don't know Come on. We who's know right. Celeste. But- that's the alleged code name for the operation to kill Dog Hammarskjöld. And Mads decides, who Mads is the filmmaker, mm -hmm. 
he decides to try and find a bunch of people who are named in these documents, which is crazy to me. Like we're talking about the murder of the secretary general of the UN. And you're like, I better go snooping around. I better go. I bet I'll show up at his place and he'll want to talk immediately. Right. Like, oh, hi, I've been waiting for you. And it's weird. Sometimes people do. Yeah. Sometimes depending on how old they are. Yeah. If you're like on death's door. Yeah. Maybe you want to talk about it. You're like, sure. I got nothing else to do. I'm going to die in a couple hours. Clean my conscience. He does find a dude. Yeah. He finds a bunch of people. He finds one guy named Dr. Claude Newberry and he confirms that he knew Keith Maxwell and that Maxwell tried to recruit him into Symar. This is where a hard left turn happens. Yeah. Because up to this point, the documentary is about the death of Dog Hammarskjöld. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden... And you're like, assassination, planes, corruption, Africa, government intervention, military stuff. You're like, okay, all this is par for the course. I came to expect this. Not this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hard left turn. Maxwell tells him AIDS is biological warfare. And not only that, but Keith Maxwell says he is researching ways to kill black people using AIDS as a weapon. And I did not see that coming. Yeah. Yikes. This is the moment where you're just, oh, we're going here now. Holy Moses. So that's when you start to be like, is this guy uh, a mental? Is he a mental case? Is is this where you start to think, is this guy a bit uh, psycho? Because when reviewing the film, I believe there was a doctor who's like, oh, it would have been impossible to, you know, weaponize AIDS in that fashion at that time. I don't know how he can say that conclusively. Um, yeah, tell it to Suge Knight. He, uh, yeah. he, he okay. talked about giving people AIDS needle injections. Oh, yeah, in the New York Times, Dr. Salim Abdul Karim uh, claimed an article that a spreading HIV virus would not have been technically feasible at the time. So they said that it's a conspiracy theory, and uh, yeah. Yeah, but also that's, I think, something people need to realize about like the the big media in this country. The big media in this country is basically state media. Yes. And there are some things we're just all, like everyone's just always going to be united on. And when I say that, I mean the big media outlets, because like... At the end of the day, that's our, that's, we have the media that we make fun of like North Korea for having, like we cover up the same amount of shit. We lie about things. We lie to our people. And so I'm not that sold just because the New York times said it's a conspiracy theory. No, no. We well, the thing that counteracts that is this is just off Wikipedia. You can check this out. But uh, despite previous reports during the South African government trial of Dr. Uh, Winter Basson, head of the South African Defense Force secret German biological warfare Project Coast, which revealed Basson's weaponization of HIV by freeze drying. Ah, see? So, so somebody done it, girl. Take that and stick it in your syringe and then stick put it in your, it in your arm and then have AIDS. AIDS. <laughs> well, these give me heroin with it. Come on. Yeah. These gave me the good stuff. And like everything we know about how AIDS spread. Was that it was like dirty needles and shit. Right. So obviously you can spread it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they don't think that just seems absurd to me. I'm not so sure. So my favorite, this is really, this is a great like Michael Moore style confrontation without being necessarily so, you know, intense, but I do love it. It was as good as confrontations you see in Michael Moore movies. Yeah. So they find this dude, they find this guy. Rene Gour. Rene Gour. 
and they go to his fucking house. Right. They go to his fucking house and Renee looks dopey as balls. He looks like he's about to go mow the lawn and he looks like all confused and disheveled. And the Mads just like busts out this document and he's like, hey, this is a Simar document. What's that? It's a signature that says Renee Gore. What do you think about that? And what does he say in response? It's identity theft. <laughs> okay. He's like, yeah, it's my signature. And they're like, well, how did it get on there? And he goes, you figure it out. <laughs> like, That's always one of my favorite responses. I just want to have a scene where like a character just gets a call and they're like, what do you mean bodies in my crawl space? You figure it out. You're the police. <laughs> yeah. Fucking cops. A, I pay your salaries, pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's really. Flip it. Yeah, he, he's really standoffish <laughs> about all this. And then he it, it finally circles around to him claiming he took improv classes <laughs> with Keith Maxwell. And it's like, dude, I, I would it. admit to being in Simar first. <laughs> Before I'd admit to those improv classes. Oh my god! I just that scene in my mind. The guy, they're just like, so, uh, so you're a victim of identity theft, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's really bad. They're like, okay, so, um, so this identity thief, have they used your your identity for you know fraudulent banking, any <laughs> kind of um other financial things, personal things, voting, anything like that? He's like, oh no, just this. Yeah. So just this. Just to put my name on a Simar document from the 90s or whenever (laughs) this happened. Just use my name in a fake medical program that tried to weaponize HIV. Yep, happens to the best of us all the time. They just go through your trash. So yeah, so they're asking. They're like, "So how do you know the student?" He's like, "Well, I think we did. We did theater. Theater. We took classes. What kind of classes?" theater um drama like, with the, like heavy stuff like shape no 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 what's it improv yeah 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 improv yeah, improvisation that's what, that's what it was improvisation he did that's some zip zaps up it's like you're doing some improv right now pal zip zaps up with the cute facts well what is that thing they clapping and whatever <laughs> games act like a piece of bacon oh my god you threw him the ball or whatever uh they also talked to a guy named t and who becomes really important later. Mm-hmm. So remember that name that I just pronounced incorrectly. Mm-hmm. He met Keith Maxwell, says Maxwell offered him weapons and money to arm white people to fight black people. But he didn't take that money because he thought Keith Maxwell was funded by MI6. So apparently it's not that he didn't want money to arm white people to fight black people. He just didn't want it coming from the British government. Real stand-up guy. Wow. Uh, but he also says he never heard of Simar and that the documents might be fake. Mm. Mm. Which, that's, that is always possible. Like Russia, Are you a document specialist, though? Russia did get up to a lot of document faking during the Cold War. Oh, sure they did. Right. Um, but because someone's never heard of, I don't like when people say because they're not directly aware of something that it can't exist. I, I don't really like that as an explanation. Offhand, I just don't think it really holds water um, because people are uh, ac- given access to things all the time that they're as in a need to know sort of scenario, I guess. But nah, yeah, so that didn't totally take me out of the game. Just him saying it now. Not so much. Yeah. Plus, he loves to fight black people. Yeah. Apparently, he, he clearly the seems yeah. to be the subtext. It, it seems like that's that's a, a quirk of his. So his integrity with me is not sky high. Uh, they bring up a interesting cable 
that Ed Guion, who is ambassador to the Congo, sent a cable to the U.S. State Department saying Hammarskjöld's plane might have been shot down by, say it with us, America, a Belgian mercenary. And this time he named the guy. His name was Von Riesigen. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Isn't it funny that two separate sources both named a Belgian mercenary or a Belgian? Right. As the one to do it. I know you're saying we're in that area. There's Belgians all about. But I think that is they're not saying it was someone. They're not saying it was a British person. They're not saying it was a member of uh, the the I'm um, sorry, the Congo and the what is the other place? Mm-hmm. I'm terrible. The breakaway section, Kanga. Oh, Katanga. Katanga. Yeah. Congo and Kanga. No, Katanga. I'm sorry. That sounded disrespectful. Uh, it's your country. So, no, it wasn't someone from Katanga. It wasn't someone from the Congo. It wasn't someone from the British or the Americans. It was a Belgian. Right. And they both say that. So, I think that's kind of. They also yeah. interview a guy named Pierre Coppens, mm-hmm. who was a former Belgian paratrooper. I think he's still Belgian. Yeah. Well,. No, I don't think he is. <laughs> I stand by it. Okay. Prove I'm wrong. Uh, he says that Von Riesigen told him that he shot down Hammerschold's plane. Uh, Riesigen was Belgian and British, as it turns out. He uh, flew for the Royal Air Force during World War II. His code name at the time, the Lone Ranger. Which is how, just to, if it rings a bell, that's how Charles Southall, that NSA agent who claims he heard that recording, Uh that's what he said everyone in the room identified this person on the recording as a Belgian mercenary that they all knew as the Lone Ranger. Yeah, it's not like, uh, you know, guy from Texas named Tex or like, uh, you know some left-handed guy named Lefty. It's like, very specific. You're a Belgian pilot named the Lone Ranger. Yeah, right right on the money. And they they managed to track down his wife. Yeah. And it's like, what do you think the wife's going to tell you? I don't know. Like, she just obviously, she was like, oh, is this that Hammerschultz thing again? And then ran back in the house. Yeah. They're butter cookies. Sorry, Danish. Anyway, uh, yeah, she doesn't really give anything very uh, telling, you know what I'm saying? It's not very, uh, it's not great evidence. But yeah, I think that's very uh, compelling if multiple people are saying, hey, and I, they have no interest in this and it actually could ruin their career. Right. But they're not even saying necessarily, when you say conspiracy, they're just like, yeah, that guy was murdered. Yeah. It's not even like it's vast, multiple different, I mean, the group's... The groups here are pretty, the the players are pretty obvious. There's not any players that you have to guess at. No, I mean, but like in There's some nobody cases. nobody here who like, hasn't before engaged in the act of assassination. Let's say that. Oh, absolutely. Every, but All of them have done assassinations before and did assassinations after. So how are we supposed to say, no, I think at this time they probably didn't assassinate. At least somebody pulled the trigger. Yeah. Someone definitely killed this guy. Yeah. And there comes a point in this documentary where it seems like all is lost because they can't get they can't they can't clinch it. Yeah, we we haven't mentioned that at one point they go out to the crash site, which is it's all just buried there. Mm -hmm. Like it's all still there. And they go out to dig it up Mm -hmm. and they get like a day into that and airport security shuts them down and won't let them 
continue. Yeah. And then they find out that the the panel that uh, I forget his name now. Gorin. Yeah, Gorin has been carrying around with him. The the UN reopens an investigation into this and they request that panel and then they send it to the FBI and the FBI is like this is on off like a fucking Range Rover or something. Whoa. This isn't yeah. even the 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 thing. Mm. So it seems like everything is lost. Like they're not going to be able to finish this. And then Yorin comes up with this list. And it's a list of dudes who responded to an ad that Keith Maxwell put in a newspaper looking for mercenaries. And they were responding to a Simar ad, basically. And that's when everything kind of turns around because they start interviewing these dudes who the first person at first they try to call people and everyone's like, no, I'm not talking to you. But then for some reason you show up at the person's house with a camera in their face and they're like, all right, I'll talk to you. It's fine. And the first guy they talked to could not look more like a person that you would pay a hundred thousand dollars to, to help topple a foreign government. Mm -hmm. Like he has that vibe and sure enough, he goes in his closet and pulls out a fucking certificate from Simar. And he's like, of course it was real. Here it is. Like, cause up to this point, they weren't sure if this was even a real thing. Yes. It was shady. It was shady as hell. Yeah. And then we yeah. have one white supremacist who's like, oh, I don't know. Those documents don't look so real. <laughs> exactly. So they start trying to track down the people on this list. And one of the people they end up talking to is this guy named Alexander Jones. And he is probably the most important interview in this documentary. He's got a lot to say. He talks to them in person and says Simar was a clandestine mercenary organization funded by foreign governments. And now I'm getting a pop-up just as we Which say that. Which is funny, that. too, because it's like, man, South Africa, get it together. Can't you even fund your own mercenary groups anymore? You're, exactly. you're outsourcing everything? Yikes. Come on. Let's get it together. And he said their role was to destabilize countries and carry out other missions he said there were as many as 5,000 members. Shit. And then at one point, he's listing off the things that they worked on, and he just almost kind of casually throws out this quote. We were involved in Mozambique spreading the AIDS virus through medical conditions. And then he just, like, starts mentioning other shit. And the filmmaker and I think Yorin was with him are both like, rewind. Can you can you go back? Yeah. Where are you saying that you spread the AIDS virus on purpose? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We did that. Which uh, that's pretty through nuts. vaccines through vaccines. Mm. Yeah, Adam, I'm yeah. hesitant about giving these anti-vaxxers anything. I don't know how I feel about giving them this nugget of truth. Exactly. I feel uncomfortable with it. Well, there, yeah, it's a there's jabbing, cold, dirty truth. <laughs> I don't like. They also talk about the case of a woman named Dagmar Fail. Sex on legs. Dagmar. Right? She was she was a piece. She was also a white supremacist. Just that name. I'm just laughing at the name Dagmar File or Feel. She Dags. was she was recruited into Simar. She worked in a lab of some sort, but never gave her brother details. But she did mention AIDS research a whole bunch. And at one point, 
they like just really quickly are like, so she became a, a white supremacist. Yeah. And then they say she went to Mozambique and was there to give vaccines and then found out that what she was actually doing was spreading the AIDS virus and decided she was going to tell the truth about it. And so they murdered her, stabbed her to death. Ooh. And mm. what's that Anne Frank quote about all people and good stuff and people being good? I don't know. Remember that? No. Uh, no, 13 year olds are crazy. Can't trust them. Uh, so back to Alexander Jones. Yeah. Alexander Jones. Once he, he says this, he starts to really go off and give up a lot of details and he says it was about retaining white supremacy on the African continent and says all of those local clinics that Keith Maxwell set up were actually set up to spread the AIDS virus. And he also knew Dogmar File and confirmed the Mozambique story and that she was going to testify about the spread of AIDS. So Simar took her out and her mom wants to tell this story in front of the truth and reconciliation commission and they won't let her they decide it's too controversial but later keith maxwell for some reason like grows a conscience or something and as he's about to leave the country he gives her all this information pertaining to her daughter like all of these documents see this is why i think Keith maxwell is a super villain because the uh, the amount of explaining of how evil he is is something that only bond villains do oh yeah so that's my that's my two cents <laughs> uh in those documents they find a ledger that claims teeny gronewald ordered the killing of dagmar the same guy who earlier in the documentary said he had never heard of simar at all Yes, and they looked like fake documents. Yeah. Looks fake to me, mate. Mm. That's how they talk in mm. South Africa. That's how you are when you're scrutinizing documents. Alexander Jones says he thinks that they were all at Saimar working at the behest of the British government, which, sure. uh, like, that's that's a thing we know governments get. Like, we know the CIA does that. The CIA sets up groups and fucking communes and shit all over the fucking world mm-hmm. and all the time these things are getting traced back to the cia so it stands to reason that the british government like what's the british government gonna do if they want someone to shoot down dog Hammarskjöld's plane are they gonna send the british military of course not no you gotta pay some you gotta pay some soldiers a fortune yeah, yeah. You don't want to get like America's. You hire the A team. Yeah, yeah. You got to get fucking Mr. T out there, whip some chains about. That's not what he did. Um, <laughs> my apologies. So Alexander Jones says he thinks they were working at the pest of the British government, and he admits that Simar was involved in the killing of Doug Hammarskjöld. He says he was giving pictures of the crash scene that showed Keith Maxwell with two other men in military fatigues. Pictures were used for recruitment purposes. Hey, what right. do we do? Kaboom! There, that's what we do. We kill members of the UN when they fuck with us. Do you want to kill world leaders and give AIDS <laughs> to black people? <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, the, Sunday. the 90s, yeah. Job fair. Yeah, Simar, Simar, Simar. <laughs> AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. He says the Ace of Spades is a CIA calling card, not just a righteous song. This quote, says, <laughs> this quote. I, you do it. Lay it out. 
He was killed because he was going to change the way the rest of the world dealt with Africa financially. I believe that. Whether the Keith Maxwell spreading AIDS thing is true or not, which there's apparently some debate as to whether that's a way you can spread AIDS, even though I've always heard it's like one of two that ways how I do it. that you can spread AIDS. Uh, I absolutely believe that the United States and the British teamed up to fucking kill this guy because they have, we, they have so many financial interests in Africa. Like we weren't going to give all that up. No. Like it's way easier to just have the lone ranger shoot this guy out of the sky. Mm -hmm. And we're like, it, it probably seems he like was we himself a lone ranger in a sense, wasn't he dog? Oh yeah, for sure. Like he, he's, like, he's actually, of all of those political assassinations in the 60s, he's, like, he's the one that never gets mentioned because no one sees it as an assassination. But And he wasn't part of a group or a movement. I mean, you could say if you perhaps killed somebody who was uh, a leader, like a Cesar Chavez type, but uh, they were representing other people were working with them towards the same goals. Dog was sort of, uh, he was working with the UN, but he was sort of a lone figure in attempting to do yeah. what he wanted to do and working really directly with these people who were very higher up in government. So they knew his temperament, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, and he wasn't like he had a guy who could step in and be him and do what he was doing or had the same agenda. Right. That wasn't going to happen again in the UN. They weren't going to put a dog commercial uh, version 2.0 to take to take over from him. It was going to radically change. Right. Yeah. And that it probably seems like we gave a lot of this documentary away, but there's there's a lot more details. Oh, also, and, it's the style of it. It's the fantastic style. It's thrilling. It's interesting. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the it's great art direction, great production design. It's mysterious. It's the interviews are great. The characters have to be seen to be believed. They're odd. Yeah. 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 And there's there are so many other crazy details. I should I I feel I'm I'm happy we're doing this. We tried to do this uh we covered this documentary on Pretty Scary, but the film the 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 company that made it actually mm -hmm. reached out to me before this came out. Oh right. And offered to send me a screener so I could cover it before it came out. But it had so much uh like copy protection on it mm. that when the me and my co-host were trying to watch it separately at the same time. And I just sent her my link and every time she would start it, mine would shut down and then I would reboot it and then hers would shut down. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we could never get through the movie. Yeah. yeah. But fucking crazy. Really wild. We killed dog Hammerschold. <laughs> Like, we fucking shot him out of the sky. Yeah, and 16 But only because the bomb didn't go off. We didn't mention that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but 16 others as well. Yeah. Isn't that funny to think about in life? You could, that's why it's, like you always, always, if you're ever getting on a plane with a very, very, very famous or very, very influential people, maybe switch planes. I don't know. You know, you never want to think I'm some bystander or someone, so-and-so getting killed. Well, that, yeah, there, there's all the Malaysia Airlines conspiracies, and one of yes. them- it's not even a conspiracy. There were all these weapons makers on that plane mm. and people were like, Oh, they mm. kidnapped that plane mm. to get them weapons. You know, you never know. Worth a look and good on you. You know, Danish, it's a sweet, it's a very Nordic film in Africa. It is. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's culturally interesting. It's not some psycho from the Midwest and, you know, who's trying to prove that the earth is flat. It's not that right. kind of conspiracy. It's not some guy with questionable hair choices from Switzerland. Who oh, this guy has no hair. Pyramids. No hair. Definitely mess it up. All right. I'm glad we were, I'm glad I watched it. It's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. You can watch it. It's called Cold Case Hammerschuld. And uh, it's really fucking good. I think they, they make a compelling case. Me too. That uh, Dog Hammerschuld was murdered and maybe British intelligence spread AIDS in Africa to keep white supremacy on the continent in place. Yeah, a bunch of like jerks. And like speaking to that, like there's this thing where for the past however many years, I think since Reagan... Anytime there's been a Republican in the White House, we have always put a stipulation in place that if we are to send aid money to Africa, those countries have to teach abstinence-only sex education. They can't promote the use of condoms. They can't, which, why? Like, why? Like, you can say it's because, oh, we're religious. It's like... No, you you want black people to get AIDS. Like, oh, sure. That's sure. what you want. For sure. They definitely do. I don't doubt that for a moment. So, yeah, not a fucking word of this sounds unbelievable to me. No. Like, it all sounds very, like, and even if they're like, there would have been no way to spread AIDS that way, doesn't mean we didn't try. Like, and the yeah. fact oh, that they certainly. tried yeah. is bad enough. Yeah, under the guise of medicine. Yeah. Ugh. Crazy. Yeah. Go watch it. It's a good documentary. Very good. Uh, that's our episode. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Find me on IG at Crawford Comic. Hey, find me on IG too, as the kids call it, yeah. at Adam Todd Brown. That's Todd with one D. And Twitter, I guess. Yeah. Sounds so defeated. I know. Jeez. And uh, we'll have uh, a new way for people to subscribe to Conspiracy the Show and all of our other shows very soon. Ooh. Very, very soon. It will be pretty fucking great. So, uh, Bolo, be on the lookout. Hey. Uh, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Laura, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.